Hello again, and welcome to the next episode of Outcomes. I think by now you know that I'm your host, Barrett King, and I have an interesting combo for you today. I feel like I say that quite often and even say what I just did quite often, but this one's going to be cool. We're going to talk about building an army of partners to support your customers' needs, but let me get into that in a minute. I want to welcome Rob Speed to the show. Rob is the SVP of Global Partner Ecosystems over at Beyond Trust, which I think is an incredible title. He's got an incredible pedigree and background. He himself has his own podcast and show, kind of a partnerships guru as well, so Welcome to the show, my friend. Hey, Barrett. Thank you. Thanks for, for inviting me here. I've it's been my a, pleasure. It really I've, is. Really, no, I, I, this is going to be an interesting conversation. It's a little bit different in just obviously our, our little chat here before I hit record. I don't want to give away all the secrets. We're going to do that in a minute. I want to ask you the question that I need to ask first, and that is, what does partnerships mean to you, Rob? You know, I was thinking about this, Barrett, because you ask all your guests. And until recently, I would have said something like leverage and scale. That's what we traditionally look for from partnerships. That's what was the meaning of the partnership, really gaining leverage and scale. But I've changed that definition. And now I think about it much more in terms of growth and innovation. Mm. And that's, that's, that's what, what I'm really driving through our partner ecosystem. I think that's the benefit of the ecosystem to both Beyond Trust and our customers. Let's talk about that then, because you're, you have a different dynamic than I think I've heard from other ecosystem folks in that you are, I use the expression, you're building an army to, in some ways, protect your customers. Um, I'll say that out loud. It's probably gonna be the headline of this clip on YouTube, mm -hmm. but I want to hear how you're thinking about that dynamic, because it is a little bit different. We're talking about trust. We're talking about defensibility, perhaps give us a 30,000 foot on beyond trust, what you all do and how you help your customers. And then we can dig into why the ecosystem is so vital to the success of both your customer and yourselves. Yeah, Beyond Trust is a cybersecurity software company. We're focused in the area of identity and access management and really protecting companies from all the threats that they have uh, of folks attacking and leveraging identities and access to infiltrate companies. And, and it was really interesting, Barrett. Last week we had our company kickoff and there was a gal that came in um, and she talked about the threats around the globe and it was an eye opener. I mean, you just wouldn't believe the thousands of people that are out there intentionally attacking companies, attacking governments, attacking, attacking other states for a wide variety of purposes um, to, to gain information, to gain income. You know, it's how they fund their, their nation states, massive amounts of cyber criminals out there. And so the attacks are just getting more and more ruthless and predominant. Uh, and our mission is to help protect our customers against those attacks. It's so interesting because I, I, you can't help but, I think, bring up AI here. I, I try not to too much in the show because I imagine someday AI is going to consume this information anyways. Um, and I always joke like, hello, Mr. and Mrs. AI, we're friends. <laughs> but obviously, there's an advantage when you can master the art of you know, the, the sentient bot and you can actually lean into the technology itself to create, I think in many ways, perhaps threats at scale. So it sounds mm -hmm. like Beyond Trust is obviously on the innovative front edge of how you defend companies on a global scale from all these threats you described. What role then does ecosystem and more specifically these partners, what do they play into that dynamic? Let's talk at the highest of levels first. We'll go in from there, but talk to me about, you know, certainly the why, what does a partnership mm -hmm. in, in do for you, do for your customer? And then in, in a bit more detail, you know, why is the dynamic so important in your go-to-market? Yeah, for us, the ecosystem is, is very comprehensive in what they help us do and what they help our customers achieve. So first, obviously, you've got to secure the customer so that the the, the ecosystem partners are very influential out there in the market advising. They're the trusted advisors advising these companies and government organizations. What tools can they leverage? What te technologies can they leverage and how do they implement them for maximum effect? 
um, to, to protect themselves. So just getting our products out to the market, the partners play a, a critical role. But what really matters, and this is obviously in the SaaS world, customer success and, and adoption of that technology and integrating that technology with other products that, that are out there and driving innovation in the space, that's what's really critical to our customers. You know, they've, they've got to successfully implement and adopt the technology, which can also include a lot of change management. You know, so there are advisory services that are provided. It's just for us to drive and achieve our mission, we couldn't do it without the ecosystem. Sure. Yeah. Well, and I imagine that it's a very dynamic space, right? I'm, maybe I'm over my skis in this one, but it does feel like certainly anything that touches technology right now is moving faster than it ever has. It's this you know, sort of 4.0, if you will, of, of evolution and of revolution within the way that human beings interact with technology. Certainly, if we go way back to like the early, you know, the, um, the invention of the assembly line with Henry Ford and how that revolutionized the work week and and you look at obviously cloud computing and you look at how the impact of the internet, you know, changed the dynamic of humans with technology and with tools. I have to think about the fact that this global scale of the way that business operates right now and how, uh, and I think in many ways vulnerable we are on the internet. It sounds like what you're doing is, is not just being innovative in terms of your technology, but being on the forefront of that through your partners. So yes. how do you then go, like, I think what I'm most interested in is how do you identify, you know, where... I imagine the tool does what it does, and we can talk about if it's beneficial to our convo, but I mm -hmm. care a lot about how those partners are identifying those opportunities, those problems for you to solve, mm -hmm. and how they sit between the customer and the solution itself, right? Because what I'm picturing is like your, is it a reseller dynamic? It doesn't, I don't imagine so. It's probably more of a, a value-added reseller, or I think maybe more specifically to be modern about this, a true partnership, and that they're taking the solution they're working with their customers and they're using your technology to solve real problems. Talk to me about that dynamic that you've established with them. Yeah, I, I would say we have partners that, that cover the complete spectrum, sure. right? You ha we have resellers and that's predominantly what they do is out there reselling, but we are engaging them with other partners who can provide the added value. So service delivery partners, for example, the marketplace partners, all the ecosystem to, to reach that customer and then drive that, that uh, adoption of the product. But you talked about the pace of innovation. If you look at the pace of cyber threats and mm. how big this, this field is of, of attackers and what they're doing, one of the things that they mentioned, this gal mentioned last week was, you know, every time you get a patch on your software, those hackers, they are looking at that patch because the patch actually tells them where the vulnerability is. So oh, interesting. if you need to implement that patch yourself immediately, because if you don't, the hackers are also going around and finding the vulnerability and they're looking for people that haven't implemented that patch. That's so, fascinating. Hold on, let's talk about that. So I want to be clear. So for the listener's sake, software that you provide, right? You're, you're a solutions provider of some kind. You're, you've got a software company. You identify a threat. You push out that patch to go and try and solve that problem. I never, it's funny. I've never even thought about this, Rob. So you're saying it makes sense, right? That someone that sees that comes in, you know, see it comes in identifies that that's the problem and then looks for other customers who have yet to actually implement that patch that we're saying. Yeah. And, and I'm talking about, you know, I'm talking about just apps on your phone, oh, apps sure. on your computer from yeah. any provider, you know, Microsoft patches, Apple patches, whatever they're looking, the hackers are looking at these because the patch is actually a blueprint for, for, for an attack. Right? Yeah. For the problem. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that's just one example of, of what hackers are doing, but hackers, the, the predominant way to get in and, and, um, wreak havoc is through identities. 
And so yep. they're stealing identities, identities of people, identities of assets and machines. And that's what we are helping protect against. Interesting. And then your partners are, you know, I've talked in the show and I think it's an industry term at this point, but the idea that your partners own your customers trust, it feels like they own your customers, your customers, excuse me, sort of sensibility here. It's beyond trust because it's the integrity of their company, their ability to do business and provide to their customers, their own value that you're just not just protecting, but you're, I think in some ways curating, right? I imagine, mm -hmm. I mean, I, I'm not in the space. I don't sell software in and around cybersecurity at all, but I know your logo. I know beyond trust. I've been around mm -hmm. it you know, to that point. So there's brand recognition for me, the non-technical, if you will, and certainly, you know, non-developer persona, how much of the opportunity now lies in your innovation and that partner bringing the innovation quickly and effectively to the market versus like, you know, a lot of the conversations I have are about awareness, right? It's about mm -hmm. partners developing market opportunity versus now. And I'm, I may be, again, I may be overreaching, but it feels like your partners are already in the market and you're in some ways meeting them with a solution that they can benefit from to help their customers. Yeah. I would say Barrett, it's two things. It's integration and innovation. Mm. So for customers, there, there's something called the zero trust journey that customers go on to, to get to a point of zero trust. And it's really kind of a constant journey. And that involves not only our products, but a lot of other products. So our integrations with other technology vendors products, that's huge for a customer's ability to really secure their organization. Yep. They don't typically do it just with Beyond Trust. There are other solutions out there that they need to, to protect themselves. So our uh, integration with all of those vendors um, it's hugely important, but also with, with new products that we're rolling out, that creates innovation opportunities for, let's say, like a system integrator, a global system integrator, or a managed service provider who can now start adding in other integrations and actually even building sort of, think of them as um, business use case or vertical use case solutions around our technology. Interesting. And so that's, that's, and that's where we start seeing, I, I look at it as the first tranche or first phase of the ecosystem strategy was implementing it from a commercial standpoint. Mm. Our next phase is from a product standpoint. So really starting to drive product innovation, our own product innovation, as well as our partners product innovation and doing that together. Yeah. Through the ecosystem. How do you identify mm -hmm. that? That's an interesting go to market. So I understand the commercial part of it. The first piece you shared, but yeah. how do you then identify that it's the product led component that really adds value and allows you to grow something meaningful? I think it's kind of simply on the commercial side, we're pretty much engaging our sales team, our go to market team, right? Sure. Yeah. Now what we're doing is engaging our product team. And so we've launched recently a new product that we call identity insights, and that has an AI component to it that you were talking about. Mm -hmm. There is huge opportunity for, for product innovation with our partnerships. And so what we're doing is engaging our product team with our partners, with those partners, and we're rolling out that product so that they can get it in their hands and start working with it, introducing it to their clients and their customers and figuring out new ways, new integrations that they can drive on that platform. So they really facilitate that then. Do they become, like, do you select a, a small group? Or are you pushing it to a broad audience? How do you identify the right partners to be your, your, your tip of the spear, right? You're like your innovators, your creatives. Yeah, right now we've we've identified a small set, I'd say less than 10 partners yeah, who are, are very strategic, have just such a wide breadth of knowledge and experience in this particular area. And so we're starting with them and then eventually we'll, ro we'll roll it out much more broadly. But these, these, I think, are the sort of the top innovators that we're targeting. Yeah, it's an important call out. I'm glad you said that. I, there's definitely been questions I've had in the past, certainly in the show and just in my own personal mm -hmm. time 
around how to identify your early adopters. Is there a framework yeah. that you used or some sort of a level set you had wherein you were able to, to specifically target those 10? I mean, again, to be clear, it's got to be small. I fully subscribe to the idea of scientific method, sort of one-on-one hypothesis, yeah. go out, run the experiment, analyze, understand, try again. Like I, I love that you're doing that. How do you identify them? Did you use a framework of some kind or some sort of a, a methodology to ensure they were the right fit? We did. Our product team actually helped us write that. Oh, so cool. they came up with a list of kind of five requirements of what they were looking for in terms of, you know, background, experience, customer set, all of that. And that helped us align to the specific partners that we want to work with. That's interesting. And yeah. then so you go to them and you say, hey, we have this new way we want to go to market. We want to bring you in the fold. And then are you creating, like I've heard folks talk about, you know, a panel or, or a focus group and, and how are you then identifying the best way to work with them, right? So mm -hmm. is it like you meet once a month and you get feedback or you an instant feedback kind of company where you've got a Slack group or some, you know, using Jira with tickets? Like how are you actually mechanizing a lot of that work? Yeah, I think it'll be instant feedback in combination with some other forms. So for example, we have our virtual partner advisory board coming up. And that has about a dozen or so, 12 or 15 very strategic partners. And so we're going to have a conversation at that next uh, advisory board on the new product line and get their thoughts about how they can leverage this new technology and what are even newer ways of partnering around it that we haven't thought of. I like that. And a diverse group, I mean, are you talking about folks from different industries around the world or do you get really focused and narrow in on one vertical and say, let's start here? Do you, you know, how do you think about that component too? Yeah, our partner advisory board, we launched it two years ago. And so it's a global board and it represents all the different types of partners in our ecosystem. So it includes a couple big resellers. We have um, the main distributors that we work with in each theater. We have some boutique service delivery partners. We have all of our top four strategic GSIs that we work with. Um, we have uh, alliance partners in there, the top alliance, strategic alliance partners. So we have that full cross section. Because what we're trying to do is we want to have an orchestrated ecosystem. These guys get to meet, you know, virtually and then live when we meet later in the year in London, they get to know each other and they think of new creative ways to work together to drive more innovation as well. You know, it's interesting. You said the, the idea of bringing them together. I, it's, it's odd. I, maybe this is the wrong way to phrase it, but like I talk to folks that say, no, we keep them separate still to this day. And mm. I subscribe to the way you're talking about it, which is yeah. the idea that shouldn't we create a rising tides lift all ships kind of methodology yeah. here and enable them to work together. Are you, do you control is the wrong word, but do you facilitate those interactions outside of the group? Or like, I know, um, I know an ecosystem that has a Facebook group and a Slack channel. I know one mm -hmm. that has, they have their own proprietary platform and they put everybody yeah. in there and they can share. It's almost like, um, it's almost like a ticketing system. They can like share yeah. these components and sort of ideas with each other. How are you actually doing that? Cause that's interesting to me from a tactical perspective to take this, what sounds like a really awesome opportunity and bring these different minds and different methodologies mm -hmm. together. How do you, you know, create the catalyst for that? Well, we very intentionally changed the role of our channel account managers and uh, we actually changed the name. Now they're partner managers mm. and in their job description, it says they are the custodians of their ecosystem. And so we are driving them. We are educating them. We're training them. We did some training last week on this of how they better understand the, the different value propositions of these different partner types in their, in their region. And what is the joint better together story, but not just beyond trust with that reseller or beyond trust with that uh, system integrator, but the combined, you know, you start overlapping those partnerships and their part of their role is introducing those partners to each other 
That's not great. just to our sellers and product team, but get them working together. And we're doing a lot more what we call the trifecta campaigns and, and activities out in the market. And that is really growing. It's, it's interesting. We did a, a trifecta in, in APAC last year, and now it, we've added in another partner that wants to be a player in that, that adds just so much more value to the, to the whole story. Tell us about the trifecta. You got me going now. I love this stuff. This is cool. This is smart too. What, yeah. what is that for you? For us, it, it is the, the combination of different partner types, each adding unique value. Cool. So the trifecta that we ran last year, it was with one of our global system integrators and two of our technology alliance partners. So what's, what's new this year? And that was a great story. The customers love it. We get the highest um, amount of, of interest and hits and leads when we do this better together, you know, combined story with, with three, or, three or four partners. Now we've got a hyperscaler jumping in that wants to be part of the story. And so cool. that adds a whole new dynamic to the, to the equation. So that's, that's what we're really excited about. Yeah, yeah that's fascinating. I, I, I want to almost like synthesize that into one statement, which is like build your army empower them and then bring them together for the greater yes. good. And that's something really awesome to hear. I don't know that I've heard somebody else talk about that. I'm sure folks are doing it, but what I would offer listeners is like, you heard it here first, Rob's the, the innovator on the cutting edge, <laughs> because for me, the idea that it is truly better together, we love to say that, right? We're in partnerships. Mm -hmm. We love to say better together stories, but yeah. now you're helping your partners be better together for the betterment of the ecosystem's impact. And that's just a brilliant idea. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, this isn't just peanut butter and jelly. We're adding in the bananas and chocolate and everything good else. Call. You know? <laughs> Listen, I love a good PB&J with bananas. My kid always <laughs>, laughs when I do it, but it's good. It's really, I'm here Have for Have you it. ever tried grilling it? No, that sounds fantastic. You got to go for it. All right, that's, we're having dinner tonight. It's Friday night when I'm recording this uh, late <laughs> January. My kid's going to have a PB&J with bananas grilled. I'm, I'm in. Grilled, I love yep. This. Um, all right, we're rounding it out the end of the, the episode here. I want to give you a chance to talk about your show because I think you have an incredible platform. I want folks to know about it. Talk to me about Channel Journeys. Give the folks an idea of what you do, what you talk about. Yeah, like your show, Barrett, um, Channel Journeys, I launched six years ago, actually. Now I'm on, I don't know, 160 or so episodes. But I started it, I think, with the same intent you had, which was to share best practices. It's a longer format, typically 40, 45 minutes, and we get into a lot of deep conversations. But like you, I always try to peel back the onion on one particular element of the channel strategy or ecosystem strategy. So have a, have a ton of fun doing it. And, uh, but it's great to see new shows coming on as well and, and love your show. Well, thank you. We appreciate that. I assume you're on uh, like Spotify, Apple, where, where can folks yeah. find you? Want them to reach out? All the different platforms. Exactly. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. And then if they want to talk to you personally, if they want to engage with you directly, where's the best way to do so? Yeah. Send me a message on LinkedIn. Just um, reach out, tell me what you want to talk about. I'll, I'll set up some time. I love it. You're going to get a bunch of messages to say, I want to build my army. Folks, thanks for checking out another episode of Outcomes. Again, I'm your host, Barrett King, and thank you for checking this out uh, today. And I apologize for uh, recent gaps in my content strategy. I think I've shared with you all, I've changed roles, but I'm back at it. And I wanted to bring somebody with an incredible bit of, incredible bit of value and insight. Rob, thank you for being on the show, man. It's been a great conversation. Awesome, Barrett. Thank you. Thank you.